continue our Lenten theme of reading from the lectionary the letters that are included. And so this morning I read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This ends our reading, but may God continue to bless our understanding. Will you pray with me? O gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts and minds and souls be pleasing unto you this day and always. Amen. So last week, if you were here, you know that I responded to one of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth by taking him to task. I haven't heard back from him, um, but we'll see if Paul responds. But this week, I thought it would be interesting to write to the people in Corinth who keep receiving these letters from Paul and to see if they might respond instead. So here now, my letter to our friends in Corinth. Dear friends in Christ, formerly of Corinth, peace and grace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your fellow believers here at First Congregational Church of Western Springs send our blessings. Well, you may find it quite odd that I'm writing to you, but during this season of Lent, we are considering the letters that are included in our New Testament. And some of the longest letters included are those that Paul sent to you in Corinth. After all these years, we still need to hear these words that try to help us follow Christ, the words that might help us be better disciples, sacred words that might help us to be a better church. We have these letters from Paul, but what we don't hear have are your letters, and so we're curious about your perspective. Were these letters helpful to you? How did you respond? What advice might you have for us as we continue to strive for faithfulness just as you did? Well, here's what we know, or at least the historians have told us. You had this pretty amazing, diverse community, which was unusual in your time, even countercultural. You worshiped together, even though there were class divisions between the wealthy and the powerful and ordinary people. You had women leaders, which was really radical for your time. And some of you claimed superiority based on your spiritual gifts. So while I applaud you for your diversity, historians also tell us that you experienced a lot of friction and even potential factions, which is one reason why Paul seemed to have to write to you so often. As one person said about the timing of this particular letter that we read this morning, it was obvious that the honeymoon period for your newly formed community was clearly over 
and all the problems of a long-term relationship were becoming evident. So it is in this context that we read this passage from Paul's letter. He was reminding you of the gift of reconciliation that God, through Christ, extended to you. I assume he meant reconciliation with God, but also with one another in community. So how did this idea of reconciliation land on you at the time? Did you believe Paul when he tells you that if you are in Christ, everything becomes new? Did you feel like you were part of this new creation? Did this help you feel closer to God? Our season of Lent is meant to help us remove that which keeps us apart from God. For some, that means fasting. For others, it means being more intentional about reading scripture or attending church. We also receive communion every Sunday during Lent as it reminds us of the reconciliation that happens at the table. We confess how we have turned away from God and receive the spiritual nourishment of Christ's forgiveness that we might start over. It's the opportunity through the gift of grace to try again. Maybe that's what Paul was referring to as the new creation. Every time we receive communion, we are made new. Well, one author defines this new creation another way by suggesting that when Christians give way to a life of pursuing Christ, everything becomes oriented from a God-drenched point of view. Isn't that beautiful? Who wouldn't want to live from a God-drenched point of view? Anyway, he continues, whole new worlds are conceived in imagination birthed by lives of faithful discipleship. Just as Paul tried to warn you of the pitfalls along the road of discipleship, this author warns that in many Christian communities today, the imagination has been impoverished, atrophied, sick, kaput. New creation is conceived in imagination, and imagination begins in prayer, in the images that God plants within us. Prayer, of course, begins in holy science, silence, when pastors stop talking and start listening, when congregations begin to interpret the subtle movements in their hearts and spirits, then churches will start to hear the call of a new creation. They will stop seeing the world from a human point of view. They will start seeing it with the eyes of Christ. What marvelous visions await. In prayer, the church can see a world where death and pain and mourning are no more a world free from addictions, a world where mothers and daughters and fathers and sons find love where there was only mistrust, a world where everyone has a decent place to live, a world where children can be taught in safety, a world where people do not suffer in pain because medication is too costly or completely unavailable, a world where women are not coerced into lives they cannot bear, a world where children do not settle wars that adults create. A world where imagination is as powerful as market indicators and automatic rifles. A world where everything becomes new by an act of faith. The act of trusting that the future God whispers to the church can be brought into being. These beautiful visions almost sound too good to be true, don't they? But just as Christ had that vision for you in Corinth, Christ still holds this vision of new creation for us. I hear in Paul's letter to you that we should begin by accepting this gift of reconciliation from Christ. 
that we might then go out and help fashion this new creation. Were you able to do that? Were you able to reconcile with God and with each other? Were you able to find ways to put aside your differences of class and wealth and gender and spiritual gifts and live a God-drenched life? Did you sit in holy silence sometimes to hear God's whispers? And then were you able to go out and become the ambassadors that Paul called you to become? Well, I'm assuming that yes, you did become those ambassadors because from what we've read, you lived your lives differently than those around you. The people that weren't following Christ thought you were all so strange, loving one another despite your differences, sharing meals and celebrations together, opening your home to strangers, looking out for one another as, as equals in spite of cultural or societal norms. Ambassadors don't stay home. They go out into the community and share their new creation with everyone around them. And apparently some of you were such good ambassadors that you were martyred for it. And I'm deeply sorry for that, but I am also grateful that you took your ambassadorship so seriously that you shared your faith with others, that we might still have your stories of faith to sustain us today. Your stories give me hope. In spite of your factions and struggles, you still embraced your call to share the good news with the world. You became visible expressions of this new creation, this new kind of love that Christ shared with you, that others became believers and followers as well. I suppose that is another reason that Paul kept writing to you. He knew how hard this would be, but he kept writing you those letters when he was away to remind you over and over how Christ loved you, and by his love, you'd be transformed and emboldened to continue your ministry. Well, I'm afraid the church, at least the church with a capital C, still has lots of factions and troubles like you did. You see, we've had a whole bunch of splits in the Christian church that has resulted in a whole bunch of different denominations. We argue about things like who can be pastors or even members of the church based on gender or sexual orientation or race or whether or not someone is married. We fuss over things like who should be allowed to receive communion. We, or we insist that our interpretation of the Bible is the correct interpretation and others' interpretations are wrong. But the scandal of the current state of the church is that we profess to believe Jesus' commandment to love, but we re remain divided over these things that have nothing to do with love. We're really, really fortunate that in this particular congregation, we don't fuss with one another very often. And when we do, we try really, really hard to listen to one another and to listen from a place of love and respect. But here's something a little funny about us that maybe you can help us with. We congregationalists, well, we tend to be a bit modest about being ambassadors for Christ. Oh, don't get me wrong, we love Jesus. We're just not too sure about talking about him or talking about our church. A lot of other denominations and churches are getting a lot of bad press, and sadly, we are losing more and more followers. We might need to try a little harder to find ways to share the good news that we've found here with the world so that Christ doesn't get such a bad rap because of our own human foibles.
Well, if you have any advice about how to do this without coming across as too righteous or judgmental, will you let us know? We can certainly be inspired by your example of living a new creation in the world to be ambassadors to the people that we meet on the streets, to the beggar, to the refugee, to someone who looks and sounds completely different to us, to love someone we thought we couldn't love, to be living, breathing examples of love and hope. Well, dear friends, I should probably wrap up this letter. I know you probably can't write back with your answers to my questions or my ponderings, but could I ask that you pray for us? You know yourselves from your own experience how hard this actually being Christian can be. We try and then we falter, just like you did. We pray and then we forget to pray. We love our neighbor and then we forget about our neighbor. And like you, we have these letters, even though they are sometimes really confusing, but they can also be so inspiring. And so thank you to whoever took such good care of them that they have survived all these years so that we may continue to learn from them. So please pray that we become so God-drenched by Christ's love for us that we faithfully move out into the world as visible expressions of a new creation. Blessings, dear friends of Corinth, until we meet. Your sister, Meredith.